Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to Off The Beat and Track Podcast. I'm your host, I'm Stu Whiffin. It's another week, therefore it's another episode. Today's episode, I sit down with actor Edward Blumel and it's a lovely chat. Um, we, Edward's um, taste is incredible actually it goes all over the place it's really eclectic and 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 I guess that's why we, we start this conversation by talking about him curating playlists and I won't say too much more I'm, I'm already getting stuck into what, what you're going to get I'll leave that until we uh, actually kick the chat off um, before we do anything just a few thank yous so um, thanks to Epilogue uh, for putting this together uh, thanks to Scribius Pip and all my brothers and sisters at the Distraction Pieces Network Thank you to 76 for producing this. Most importantly, thanks to you lot for supporting Off The Beaten Track and continuing to support Off The Beaten Track. We're over 350 episodes in there and I've been so lucky to talk to some absolutely incredible people and, and get introduced to so many amazing records and, and get to infuse and look back and, and, and get a snapshot into these um, these people's creative journeys and lives. It's uh, an absolute pleasure to do this and the fact that people listen to it makes it all the better so so thank you so much um if it's your first time uh listening to off the beaten track then if you like actors then when you finish listening to my chat with Apple today go and have a look in the archives you can hear me talking to maxine peak uh joe hartley michael smiley tom davis um gosh amanda abington um nick blood there's there's bundles um and if you like your music i imagine you do or you wouldn't be listening to this podcast then you can hear me talking to artists as diverse as foo fighters through to idols through to gosh where do we go without saying the same ones week in week out fat boy slim producer butch vig um suede oh gosh there's stacks there's 350 episodes so um yeah go and have a little rummage in the archives um and if you'd like to support this podcast um you can do that um in many ways simply just subscribe that's a really good one then each week a couple of episodes will pop up on your listening device you don't have to go looking for it, it just presents itself so that's a really good way um if you see us on the social medias uh on all the three usual platforms twitter instagram and facebook give us a follow drop us a message um give us a a share or a retweet that all helps um and if you're really feeling generous and you want even more content aside from the the 350 episodes in the back catalogue there's also a few hundred episodes and radio shows and video episodes over on my patreon um and i know you hear most podcasters bang on about their patreon but it is a really good way of supporting um podcasters and uh, and well, creatives in general uh, and to become a, a supporter of off the beaten track is 79p a month 79p a month will get you access to weekly content uh, all that back catalogue you can watch all the episodes um, you get all my little radio shows where i play lots of songs and, and do a little bit of chat as well and yeah and it just helps support the podcast um that is patreon p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com forward slash off the beat and not beaten beat and track podcast dot cop no hang on that was the website wasn't it uh patreon.com forward slash off the beaten track um and the website which is your one-stop shop you can find all the links there which is off the beat and track podcast.com so just go there and that'll tell you where all the social media platforms are just all the links and that are over there so you can do that um right let's get on please enjoy today's episode of off the beaten track podcast <laughs> 
with the wonderful Edward Bloomell. Right, I've got to take a quick break in this podcast because I've got some super exciting news. Off the Beat and Track podcast is proud to go into partnership with the Cacao Bar from Hotel Chocolat. That's right. The Cacao Bar is not a chocolate bar. It's all the best bits of a chocolate bar put into a really exciting new alcoholic range. That's right. Gin, vodka, and a beautiful range of cream liqueurs. So one of the big bonuses of this partnership is obviously I'm super thrilled to have Hotel Chocolat working with us, but they sent me a great big box of this stuff. And I'm telling you, it's amazing. Go and check it out, www.hotelchocolat.com or over on the socials at Hotel Chocolat. But yeah, in the coming months, there's going to be opportunities for you to get involved with competitions with us, to win bottles of stuff. There's loads of exciting things coming soon and I can't be more happy to say that this podcast is in partnership with the Cacao Bar from Hotel Chocolat. All right, let's get back to the podcast. It's off the beat and track podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. With me, Stu Whipping. Okay, we are recording. Edward, how are you doing today? I'm very good, thank you, Stu. How are you? I'm all right, mate. Yeah, I'm not too bad. I'm not too bad. I'm always happy to sit down and talk records. And mm-hmm. um, before we get into it, like aside from the song picks today, and we're going to sort of have a nostalgic look back uh, over your your creative path and some formative years and, and the records that have been important of course yeah uh you you curate playlists as well right yeah i do i love it what's the I, score I, what's the score with this because i i hear it's an itunes kind of thing yeah yeah so i i and then i sort of i also realized when i was making them that i had to open up to the spotify people because they vastly outnumber the itunes um people but i um I've always loved making playlists. And then after a while, I was like, sometimes I'm listening to them and I'm like, this is too good for just my ears. That song went into that song too, too well, actually, um, for it, for it to remain a secret. So I started sharing them online, just like on my Instagram to see if people liked them and people really did. So I was like, um, and that, that was very exciting for me because, um, I'd never really sort of gone about shoving my music taste down people's throats before. Um, and um, then I then I sort of started doing that and, and I got some really nice responses and, you know, people saying that it was doing lovely things to their Spotify algorithms um, and, and, and mixing it all up and creating some 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 nice sort of mixes. So, yeah, it's 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 been great. It's sort of a bit, you know, it's something that just keeps me happy and then it's nice to share them every now and then. So, um, yeah, it's gone well. I've enjoyed it. Wonderful. How do you how do you discover music now? So the beauty of the internet is almost anything you go on these days is pretty good at working out scarily quickly what you like. Mm. And, um, and so, you know, Spotify, YouTube as well. I went for a phase before I was into anything sort of like Spotify, Apple music is always YouTube. You'd find like album rips of like, uh, records that you couldn't find on on any of the sort of like download sites or like library music and things like that you'd find like whole album like 45 minutes all of it just in one video and that's where I started and, and when you go down that pit like it really is never ending and you find yourself like suddenly sort of listening to some like bit of like Japanese city pop from from like the early 80s and and loving it and then you're like please 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 have this on one of the streaming sites and it really does yeah. but um but yeah as things have moved on there, there's a bit more of that and there's you know there's a lot of like reissue labels that have like definitely caught on to the fact that people like doing this so yeah. um so yeah lots of things like that and the I let the algorithms take it and then sort of but it started from like sort of a key few things that I that I realized that I loved and sort of listening to that loads and loads and loads and then just letting it all sort of go from there basically love it right let's kick off today's playlist uh can you tell me please for track one the song that you regard as having the greatest ever intro please um I think the song as having the greatest ever intro is by the time I get to Phoenix by Isaac Hayes because, well, there's a lot of reasons for it. Firstly, I think the audacity of it because this this track is, um, it's a cover. It's not his song and he has made it 18 minutes long, which should in every single 
in every single other world should not work and actually should should not be really allowed. The first 12 minutes of it, he is talking. He he basically decides that what he's going to do is he he's taken a song that, you know, a lot of people know, country classic, you know, Glenn Campbell made it huge. And he has uh, decided to give it 12 minutes of like context for himself. And, you know, the monologue that he speaks isn't, it isn't groundbreaking. It isn't specifically anything that like I, I didn't know was part of the song before. But I, what I love about it is it really, what it teaches to me is that like context, context in music is so important because if you listen to the moment that he starts singing about 12 minutes in without having listened to the 12 minute preamble, you don't get the same chills. You don't get the same goosebumps. And I think that for me is a phenomenon in music that I think is really interesting that sometimes there's one bar or there's one phrase or there's one moment in a song that you love. But like, if you listen to it without the rest of the song, it doesn't make sense and it doesn't work. And the moment that he suddenly goes from talking to singing after you've waited and waited and you're going, surely he's not going to carry on speaking. He carries on speaking, he carries on talking. It's Isaac Hayes, who's got an amazing voice. You're listening. He's just slowly telling you the story. And then there's just a moment that you're like, it's happening. And he starts singing. And for me, I'm like, it's the ultimate payoff. And someone that something that only someone like him, I think, could do. Because, you know, if most people release a song with 12 minutes, especially in this day and age, with 12 minutes of speaking, you'd be skipping track. Yeah. or skipping to when he starts singing or waiting patiently for a radio edit. But, um, yeah, for, for me, I just think it's like, it's audacious, it's brilliant, and it and it's brave. And, um, and then the song, when it does start singing with the strings coming in, is like, is transcendental. Yeah, I'll tell you what, it, it's, I, I'm surprised no one's ever chosen that because it's such... And you're right, it's the payoff. It's like there yeah. is an edit like available and it's there not is. the same. It, it's, it's like not, it's not the same. You've got to work for it. He really makes you work for how good it's gonna be. Yeah. And I think that is I can't think of many other songs that really go, you know, probably outside of prog rock that really go like deep into that, like I'm gonna make you earn, really earn this. Yeah. Um there's no way in this day and age anybody would ever get that over the record company desk and go, this is, no this is the next, uh, it's on the next record. It'd be like, yeah, no, yeah. it's not going to be happening. But it's like, it's like the, the album that it's from, from is just four tracks. Mm. So it's like all of them. And I mean, I think the shortest one is six or seven minutes. Mm. So it's like, I mean, anything, you feel like anything that sort of, you, I, I, if I say I was a musician, I'd feel nervous pushing something over four minutes over, over a table at the moment, because I think a lot of songs these days are designed for, I had this really interesting thing that people, a lot of like quite sort of mainstream artists that um, are pressured into making their songs short. So on streaming things, people will just listen to them twice instead of once because, uh, and so they like miss, almost purposefully make it feel not unfinished, but like you want one more minute. So people just start the song again. And that supposedly gets double the amount of streams, which is um, interesting, I think. Yeah, that's interesting, but... It's not really, I guess that's a weird art form in itself, but that's not really what, you know, I, I, I'm strapped in for. I, I, I want something that's going to, you know, yeah. g- give me something a bit more and, and you know, and not, I, I, I guess, you know, and it's really weird because one of the sort of, I guess those early pop songs, like the Glen Campbell track that this is, is a short pop song, you know, yeah. like Walk On By that Isaac Hayes yeah. turned into this, epic masterpiece and it's like yeah, yeah. they're very short pop songs and yeah it, it 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 takes some balls to go right this is my reworking of it and before we even start i've got this to say and like yeah it's certainly ambitious it's so good. yeah it's so good i think i think yeah we probably are past the realms of music like that being or pop music at least or you know soul or whatever being sort of uh, those artists being allowed to do that um i, I totally so, agree yeah, I, I totally agree, and I, I think it's it's something he's lost there, and it comes up a lot on this podcast when you know when you know I, I, when I have musicians on or producers on, I always ask them like you know does these trends in you know in in how you approach an intro 
like how heavily affected is it by wanting to get on Spotify playlists, you know, wanting to get on the radio and, you know, the, the, you know, even going back 15 years, you know, you do a little radio edit to get yourself on the radio, but you wouldn't compromise loads of your song. You wouldn't theoretically be writing a two minute song that is just hook, chorus, hook, chorus, hook, chorus, finish. Like, and I think, that's, you know, writing a pop song is going to be one of the hardest things you can ever do. To write a perfect pop song, you know, any songwriter will tell you, easy, impossible. Yeah. It's such hard work. Yeah. But if you've got something so good, I just think don't compromise it. If it goes for four minutes, let it go for four minutes. But that's just, I'm 48. So like that, you know, I, I, I grew up in the 80s listening to pop music. and I think it's happening to everything, though. It's like I... I, you notice with like social media and, and sort of like videos are exactly the same. Everything, content in general is just getting squished and squished and squished and squished to the point that now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Now, you know, if I if I click on a video online and it's like somebody's doing, I say it's sort of a, a bit of like character comedy, like you see so often all over Twitter and Instagram. And I see that the video's over two minutes there is something in my head that goes off being like oh my god fucking hell that's long and then i'm like what <laughs> no it's not at all but, but you I get think, a thing then you're like, i haven't got time you have yeah, got yeah, time yeah. and it's weird isn't it you do think that yeah it is this like strange strange thing that's happening i think in in realms other than music or sort of directions that we don't even that we don't even realize that everything's just getting short form basically. Yeah, and, yeah. um, and sometimes all you really need is just 12 minutes of Isaac just chatting to you Absolutely. to really, to, re- to really calm you down and really put you back where you should be. But I do think that the, the surge and growth in popularity of podcasts is almost a kick against that because, you know, yeah. it is the complete opposite. It is like, it is. right, well, hang on a minute. Look, here's an hour. Just switch off. That is true. I uh, think the pendulum, the pendulum's always going to swing, which is quite funny because people sort of like, now there's people that, I, I heard recently someone be like, gosh, there's like, Spotify have started doing this, 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 uh, I don't know, this, this feature that's like a live podcast. And people are like, wow, that's interesting. And it's like, no, it's just reinventing radio. It's, it's so strange that it's like everything swings back and back and forth. And I'm sure, you know, maybe, maybe in a little while, people would be like, do you know what? Fuck a two minute song. What about 18 minutes with a 12 minute monologue? And people will be like, that's never been done before. Let's go and do it. And I think we are, it's always going to work on a cycle. And I, I, I think you're right. Podcast has definitely been a huge kickback. Mm. People, people listen to them all the time. They listen to them for a long time. And, and, um, and and yeah, that is I, I would say the sort of like exception at the moment that, yeah. that proves the rule. Hundred percent, hundred percent. Track two, Ebel. Can you tell me the first song you remember hearing that had an emotional impact on you, please? Yeah. So I, this is this is quite an early memory, and it's possibly not the emotion that you you necessarily used to get in for this for this question. But I've chosen it all. All I have to do is dream by the Everly Brothers. And so the Everly Brothers are hugely important to my mum. 
and um she she loved them and it always there was a cd best of the everly brothers in the car um that was like always brought out on long journeys now i have a brother and a sister and i must have been i was i was young enough that we were being like real shits in the back of the car so i must have been sort of like probably seven with a 13 year old brother and and sort of a nine-year-old sister and and we're going these long car journeys and basically we had an alternate thing with music mum would get an album we would get an album mum would get an album we would get an album dad didn't didn't weigh in because um <clears throat> he he he's very much a prog rock man and i think there was just a, ban, a straight ban on that in the car at that at that time <laughs> but, um but i later grew into that stuff but um so basically one of one of mum's favorites was the everly brothers and she had a rule that if we pissed about in the back of the car she would put the cd back to track one and we would never get to our cd choice or whatever we wanted to listen to and now what's strange is i can now listen to the everly brothers and and i love it like i really love it it's such a beautiful song such an amazing song but it's the first song that i remember actually infuriating me and like causing frustration anger because it's definitely i looked it up it is in the first three tracks of the of of the opening (laughs) the best everly brothers So, so it's like and it would it would be it would be like no tolerance we pissed about back to track one back to track one and um which which also like it very petty from my mum like she can't have enjoyed the first three songs of the Everly Brothers after uh, after a little while and that song in particular is the one that like goes round in my head on a long car journey of being like the Everly Brothers and we were like oh the Everly Brothers suck the Everly Brothers are so lame they're not cool there's nothing cool about the Everly Brothers and then you just grow up you realize they were of their time like absolute rock and roll geniuses who were who who were you know um, who are great performers and um, fantastic singers, and some of their songs are complete bops, including this, which is mm. you know very whimsical but um, but lovely. So yeah, that's the first song that I remember truly truly infuriating me. <laughs> so it was an emotional impact in a way. It's a beautiful record, though. It is a really beautiful record, and that mm. totally gave me a heads up as to how I'm going to discipline my kids in the car now. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you can you can subject them to <laughs> it. Really, it really does. Though that comes at a cost. You'll ruin the music for yourself. Oh. There was always the Everly Brothers. It was the Carpenters was another one that my mum loved. So it was like it was things things like that. Um, she also loved Dolly Parton, but then that actually the shift happened quick for us to be like, whoa, this is good, Dolly yeah. Parton. Like that 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 was a quick one because I've never seen. I've never, I've never seen an artist. There's not many artists that really, um, that really, I think, cross like almost like uh, l- like generations, like Dolly Parton. You talk to, I've talked to anyone. I've never come across someone who's like, I fucking can't stand Dolly yeah. Parton. So that was one that we actually were pretty like, okay, look, when Dolly Parton comes around on the rotation, we're, we're happy with that. We're happy with that. <laughs> I love it, that it presents itself time and time again on this podcast that that people's earliest emotional memory comes from the backseat of a car yeah uh, just how everybody listen it's just hearing them songs with your family in a car yeah. generally going somewhere like a holiday or something like that and that, there's something lovely about that yeah we we also used to we used to have a like a tradition as we got older so we used to always holiday in wales basically and it was a four from i i live in somerset and it, it was sort of mid wales it would be um in the middle of snowdonia and it'd be about a four hour drive and we would have a thing that we would buy often buy an album like my parents would be like we're going to buy an album for the holiday and we and we would listen to only that album on the holiday and um that was a lot of where like my musical education started it was often like a best of so it'd be like something and it would it would have to be like meticulously chosen because it would have to be something that had something for everyone and so it would, like that was where for instance i got to know the beatles if i listened to that classic you know the the red cover number one beatles yep. albums all the number ones if i listened to that album i just straight away am like 11 years old in the middle of the Welsh countryside. And it's like so nostalgic for me. So like if I listen to other Beatles albums now, like I, I, I don't know, like any of their albums that they released and one of those songs comes up, I'm suddenly there and then I'm back. And it's like, it's, it's so nostalgic for me, but like, yeah, all of, all of my musical influences really, I think came, came from in, in, in the, in the back of the car. Like I said, sort of as I, as I grew older, I got like, 
you know, I, I used to, where I first started uh, sort of doing acting outside of school was in was in Bristol, which was like an hour and a quarter drive on a Sunday. I used to go to this really great acting class there um, when I was about 15. My dad used to drive me there and back and it would be, it was always like Super Tramp, then Pink Floyd and then Genesis. And then, and that was where suddenly there was another shift in like what I loved with music. And, and, you know, maybe that's where I really fell in love with the 18 minutes on. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> but, but yeah, so that was also super important. Wonderful. You mentioned uh, being young and 15. So that ties in lovely to track number three, which is a song that reminds you of your school days, please. Yeah. So the song that, Reminds me of my school days is The Dream Life of Rand McNally by um, none other than Jason Mraz, who I think gets a pretty bad rap these days. Um, The hill I will die on is that Jason Mraz is is a stunning musician and full of imagination and and, uh, unapologetic about what he does and, um, and... really did when he was when he was young have something very special sort of level of charisma that really appealed to me as a 15 year old and still actually does today there are loads of albums of his that I've never even listened to but but there's one album that I think actually is potentially one of the most important albums of my life ever which is Jason Mraz live and acoustic 2001 and it's um, recorded in a little venue called Java Joe's, which is apparently where he had like a regular regular slot. Um, and he, I think, is nineteen at the time or something like that. Um, and it's just like the the picture of a teenage stoner musician who is so who seems so untouched by by um expectation or 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 sort of parameters or you know labels or anything like that that he really is just like letting himself go loads of the songs i I remember reading i think were written using word association so they barely even make sense they sort of just like paint like a a lyrical picture or almost um and uh and they're they're quite sort of like meandering. Some of them are very long, some of them, and it's all just him and a guitar and a guy called Toka Rivera, who was playing, playing percussion for him at the time and the way their voices meld together. And um, it's a strange relationship as well, because Toka's quite a lot older than him. And it's, it's sort of like this teenager and a, and a, and a, and a slightly older, wiser sidekick um, who like creates like super, super charismatic duo and these sort of nonsensical and, and um and and like wild sort of crazy songs about you know teenage love and they're all a bit immature and a bit uh, but something so like pure about them and um and me as a 15 year old listening to them I remember my sister introduced me to this album um because she got it she got introduced to it by a boy that she fancied and she was two years above me so she was probably about 16 17 and she she got it introduced by a boy that she fancied so she had basically done her time and listened religiously to it and then she was like it is really good and gave it to me and I, it's like i remember revising for my gcses with it i remember it soundtracked everything and i still i'd say a couple of times a year we'll listen to it start to finish and um and yeah, it also, I, I play guitar, not in any way that's, you know, I don't really perform or anything, or, but a lot of the way that I play my guitar, I, I can, he has a very specific way of playing guitar. And I, I can see that I've learned it from, from videos of him at that, in that era, playing the guitar um, with no pick and sort of like, it's a very, yeah, specifically, it's almost percussive way of playing it. And um, yeah, it's, it's just, it's just fun. It's just a complete exercise in freedom. Is, is what I see that album being. It's got all the Jason Mraz staples that then became sort of what he was parodied for, you know, the the scatting, the sort of like the 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 whimsical sort of dreamlike um, cheesiness that I think people then went on to take the piss out of him for. But The Hill That I Will Die On is that that album is one of the greatest albums, live albums of all time. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, just let's, let's just touch on school a little bit. Was that, was that something as an experience you enjoyed? Yeah, I did. I did. I sort of grew into it. I definitely, when I was young, when I was really young, was not a school person at all. And then when I, when I sort of was about, 
I, when I was a bit older, sort of around sort of 14, 15, I, I, I began to enjoy it a bit more, I think. And um, it, yeah, I sort of, you know, I had my my close group of friends and we sort of, um, we did our own thing a little bit and I had a, I had a lovely time, still very close with them now. So it's, um, I did enjoy it. I, I sort of, I, w- I was quite academic, but not not particularly. I come from a family of very academic people. So it was interesting sort of being at the, because I'm the youngest, being at the bottom end of that and sort of watching as, you know, my siblings went to Oxbridge and 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 things like that. And then I turned around and decided that I was going to be an actor. But it was, was something. Well. Was that something you always wanted to do? Yeah, I would say I, I would say I, I started acting in school plays and and like loved it. But I, I didn't consider it seriously until I was about 17 when I sort of like saw a bit of an abyss of of other things to do and I was like ah I sort of I think I've kind of narrowed myself down without really realizing it and 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 yeah and realized that I was going to have a crack at acting but I only really started to believe acting that was acting was actually going to happen when I was on set on my first job like I went through drama school I did everything but the whole time I was like I'm going to get found out at some point this is still sort of like I'm going to get busted soon. (laughs) I mean, I I guess people call that imposter syndrome. Uh, Is is that something that you you still get? Yeah, definitely. I think think loads. I I, I think most actors I talk to have it at some point. I, I, you know, I think the thing of being an artist in any form, I think, is people, you just constantly going like, how, why? But it's, yeah, I definitely get it. Particularly when I'm surrounded by sort of amazing actors and I'm doing something, I, it, often I'll be like, I, it's like imposter syndrome. It's also when you suddenly feel like um, like you've won a competition in a magazine or something. That's <laughs> what it really is for me. And I'm like, I'm like, they used to do this thing basically that you, I think if you're a big like casualty or Holby City fan, you could set, you could like send off or something or apply and they would let you have a walk-on role in an episode. Um, and every now and then I get that. I, I'm like, oh, I've applied for a walk-on role and they've given it to me and I'm really excited to be here and it's amazing. But like, I'm I'm like super out of my depth. Um, and uh, yeah, that probably comes over me, you know, once or twice a day. You know, <laughs> <laughs> oh, incredible. Um, for track four, Edward, I'm going to ask you please to tell me the first um, song you remember buying from a record store, please. So this actually, the slight amendment to this question is that I, infuriatingly for these sorts of things, can't remember the first song I bought from Record Store. Okay. I actually cannot. So my my sort of substitute is um, the first one that really, like, that I became, like, passionately involved with, knew the words for and everything. And actually my brother bought it, and that was um, Come On Over by Shania Twain, which was another huge car car record it was it was a great one like i was saying earlier about like finding records that everyone loved like there was something the country element of shania twain appealed to my mom um the the pop element at the time we're talking sort of late 90s but it it really had a long long sort of career in the car um the pop element really appealed um to us as the kids i think my dad probably just fancied her and it was like the whole thing like melded together perfect to uh, to create like the ultimate family album and um yeah i saw her live recently i went i saw her in um las vegas doing her residency and that to me was like coming full circle there was something so special about it for me seeing her in the flesh um singing and the great thing about a vegas residency i've realized is like they don't they have no interest in playing their new songs either so it was like it was just hit after hit and it was like a cosmic experience for me to finally be in the same room as her having known the lyrics to her songs since i mean i think that album is like 1998 97 so i'm talking five years old knowing knowing those songs and having them um feel feel important to me and feel like something that bonded me and my family together i i I love it and it's so weird i've had conversations with, with more musicians than than actors that have a really strange relationship with like back catalogue and nostalgia and mm. i've spoke to some and and and, and and some of these i guess with the greatest respect are probably not having the level of commercial success that maybe they had during the 90s or or, or the early yeah. 2000s and they're like because 
I'd often say to them, like, you know, what are your thoughts on? Because I, I will go and watch some of my favourite bands from the 90s play that album in its entirety yes. at Brixton or whatever. Definitely. And, and yes, it's, it's different. You know, I'm not crowd surfing anymore at 48, but <laughs> it takes me back to when I saw them there. And I love that. And, yeah. and I just think there's something really nice about artists, certainly somebody as, you know, as globally famous as Shania Twain doing that residency. And it's like, right, people are going there. They don't want the new album. Like, yeah. They want all killer, no filler. And they want to just, indulge that nostalgia and and i think when artists that are so established and are doing sort of big shows give the listeners what they want i think it's lovely yeah yeah i i I agree imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt now imagine them getting even softer over time that's what you'll feel with Bowl and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowl and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. I think it was, it was refreshing to have, cause you, I, I go to loads of gigs these days and obviously, you know, I do definitely respect artists sort of uh, uh, like they want to play their new stuff. Cause that's probably what they're feeling passionate about at the time. But like there was something sort of like, likes refreshing about being at that Shania gig and being like, this is like, this is like I had picked the set list and it, and it, and, and, and you could feel that for everyone in the room, massive venue and it, and absolutely rammed. And I mean, everybody in cowboy boots and, and, and Stetsons, it was, it was wild to be there. And, um, and like everyone just going crazy for it. And it was, um, yeah, it was amazing. It was, it was, it, it was so good and definitely, definitely felt like something you know it was that i had to do at some point and when the opportunity arose i was like oh, i'm i'm going where's I'm my going. stetson yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right track five edward please tell me uh the song that soundtrack your years clubbing you're a young man you should still be clubbing well that's what that's what i was going to preface this by saying those years are still going yeah so um so you know i'll let you know if there's any changes but for me i was like okay my years to really decide my years clubbing i was like i think for me that's a uh, university and drama school and um i went to um the royal welsh college of music and drama which um is in cardiff and there's an amazing nightclub and music venue there club evil bach uh, which, i've um, played there I played, I played there yeah, back yeah. in the 90s. I thought, I thought, I thought you definitely know it because it's like, yeah, it's an amazing um, place. And, and, and on a Friday and Saturday, it's still, I would say, possibly my favourite nightclub um, in the world. I haven't been there for a long time, but, um, but yeah, it, it truly is a, a special place for me. And that was, they play sort of like, they would play like nostalgia tunes, sort of pop and um, uh, soul, R&B and things like that. Um, which is exactly what I wanted, age sort of like, you know, 20. And the one that really got me was um, Senorita by Justin Timberlake, which is still to me is a song that like, when I hear it, I'm in Club, e- Club Evil Bach. And, um, and it really does 
does take me back and and give me that sense of excitement and that anticipation of being on a night out when you're at the perfect zone of sort of like a certain amount of drinks in when you're like I'm completely unstoppable and you dance on the dance floor like you like you're Shakira do you know what I mean like you feel so sexy and like the coolest person in the world and that song was that one for me and people got to know that I loved the song so if I was in the smoking area people would come and get me if that song came on and that's that's a level I <laughs> wanted to be at be like i'm not missing that track yeah um and they would play it every time and if they didn't i would ask for it every time and you know the great thing about that club is they actually listen so yeah um yeah it was um and of course it's got a great bit of cool and response at the end which i think is you know if you want to create a, a club a club classic for sort of like for people in their early 20s a bit of cool and response goes a long way um just makes everyone feel that bit more involved Absolutely. um and so yeah that was a that was super important track for me I've, I've i've asked for that so many times in so many different dj booths <laughs> wonderful well, let, let's um let's go just up the road from from cardiff let's take you home um for track yeah. six a uh, favorite song from an artist from your home county please yeah, so they're, they're actually technically from Bristol, which technically isn't my home county, but because of their name, Portishead, which is in Somerset um, and is just by Bristol, um, I've gone for um, Portishead. I've gone very sort of like straight down the line with them because I've, I find them like a very much an album listen. Um, it's really an atmosphere I find that you get indulged in. So for one track, I've gone for Glory Box because, you know, it's their their biggest ever i also thought it was a nice little bit of synergy because um it's a it's an isaac hay sample that they're using so good shot i didn't think of that yeah 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 so it, yeah yeah so it's from the black moses album mm. I, ike's rap too and it's um and it's been sampled so many times because it is so there's something so like um it's like it's like it was written for porter's head because it sounds mysterious and it sounds like atmospheric and and I always find that listening to a Portishead album, obviously the album, well, there's Dummy, which is sort of you. You find yourself in a world, and like your imagination runs, runs wild. There's you know there's always campaigns for them to do a James Bond song, and I think it's like it comes from that like that like mysterious sort of like um, seedy sort of underworlds uh, sound that they put in that is uh, so sexy and sort of so Bristol. And so Bristol, exactly, all the trip. And it's like there's something about it that um, that sort of like really, really lingers with me. There's a run I do near my near my family home in Somerset that's like a it's on a loop. And um, I don't know if you, if you remember that. Uh, the DJ who used to do mixes called Girl Talk, mm-hmm. he used to do that, and he, he has a mix of like perfect length that I, I used to run for the run. And there's a moment when out of nowhere he mixes um, a Porter's Head song in from Dummy. I can't remember which one it is. I bet it's Rhodes. And, and on the run, it comes just every time. If, if I start the album at the right time, it comes when you go into this like canyon and the trees grow over the top and everything gets really dark and it gets really gloomy. And it's like it was made for that moment. It hits every time you're like, it's the Porter's Head section of, of, of the run. And suddenly your mind's wondering, you're like, who am I running away from? Where am I going? And it's like, it's strange that it, like, it does so much. Are you um, in a music video so, in your own head? Oh, yeah, always. Always. <laughs> good, good. Um, but, but never more than when there's Porter's Heads in the mix in the canyon. Yeah. Um, so it's, yeah, I, I, I just think they're, they're, they're great. And, um, and the whole like trip hop thing, I never got like really deep into that, in, into that stuff. But it's like, it's, it's an amazing world. I got a book. I, um, I went to Bristol like, quite a lot back in, when, when I was playing. We would generally play Bristol and then go uh, to, to Cardiff and play the following night in Cardiff. But yeah. I bought this book about um, the Bristol sort of sound system culture and sort of going back with like the Wild Bunch and, uh, and, and Naina Cherry and, and what was going on then through to like Massive Attack and Tricky and, and Poison. Yeah. And the, the history regarding that scene and the sound system culture in Bristol – it's so it's just incredible like there's so many different kind of offshoots through graffiti and like it, it was it was a, it's a fascinating place man and like nothing for me like massive attack and 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 there's stacks of bands have come out of bristol 
But yeah. for me, nothing sounds more Bristol than than that kind of slow that trip up sound. You know that is it yeah. just and and it come at a time when you know you look at the early nineties and over here we had you know it, I guess it was the the, the the warming up to Britpop and what was going on there and you know and, and then stateside it was like grunge was like huge and like yeah. and and garage and stuff like this was all going on yet there's just something that is not club music. It was just sonically completely different from everything that was going on. Hip hop, everything, and it was like, yeah, yeah. And and I think for me, if I had to, I'm, I'm not stealing your song here, but uh, but but uh, something that really sums up is that have you got the live album, the Portishead yeah, uh, like in, yeah, in yeah, New I'm, York? Yeah. Fuck man, like have you watched it? Like because that concert it. man, Beth is just like one hand just slung over the mic. Like on the mic stand, Siggy on the go, and like and just howling like a banshee man, and it is just as soulful as it gets. It's uh, yeah, go on YouTube when you get a chance and watch them perform that performance at, at, at NYC of of Portishead because it's yeah, it's it's fucking spiritual. It really is. It's also the one of the my first ever job that I did um, was filmed all around Bristol. And um, it was a film called Access All Areas that was all about uh, sort of, you know, a, a, it was like coming of age film about this teenage boy's pilgrimage to music festival. And one of the scenes was filmed at Porter's Head Lido, which is this I, I'm insane. Like Porter's Head is a very strange little place, but Porter's Head Lido is like a sort of, it looks like something from, an American from a Tarantino film or like, or like Greece, like fifties American um, Lido. And it's just on a cliff out of nowhere. And it's a Google image after this. And it's, it's sort of like all of the seats lined up in different colors, like almost like rainbow colors. I remember correctly. I also, this, this like I've Googled it a few times, but also my image of it is like warped. It was like my first job. And I was like, this is the most insane thing. And there was like a derelict, like burger stand next to it. And it was all like, I also don't know which bits were like set dressing and which bits were real. So I'm always like, I have this really weird vision. And to me, I've always like, Often when I listen to Porter's Head, I, I, I see the Lido on the cliff and they're like, nothing about it makes quite se- that much sense. It seems kind of like dreamlike in yeah. itself. Cause it's, it doesn't like, why have you got a Lido on a, on a cliff? Why is it, why is it these colors? Why does it look like it's been picked out of sort of like 1970s California and put here? And, um, and yeah, so I think that helps for me, like add to like the magic of the whole of the whole like band and the sort of like sheen of sheen of smoke that seems to come with them. Lovely. Right, last track, and you get to do one of the things you do best, which is be a tastemaker. And uh, and so for track seven, a song that you think many people may not know that you would like them to hear, please. Yeah, I'm always intrigued as to whether many people don't know this or not, but um. The, uh, um, this is uh, I Was Dancing at the Lesbian Bar by Jonathan Richmond, who Jonathan Richmond is someone very important to me. I was introduced to him probably, I'd say, five years ago. So he hasn't been in my sort of like head for, for, for a huge amount of time. But um, he was the lead singer of, of the sort of like proto-punk band The Modern Lovers. Um, who have a very amazing sort of like one, the classic album that's just The Modern Lovers um, with some absolute bangers on it. Um, but then since then, he sort of he sort of moved into this sort of like acoustic, whimsical sort of poetry, but childlike almost um, thing that I just, I, I absolutely adore him. There's something about like you feel at first that maybe he's a comedy singer and you're like, you, know, you dismiss him. And then the more you listen, you realise everything he says I, I genuinely think he means he's not trying to be funny and I think there's something so delicate and pure about about having someone who is just like singing exactly what's coming out of his head so it's like sometimes the lyrics seem very simple sometimes they you know he just doesn't rhyme them sometimes he starts talking during songs sometimes this sometimes that all recorded super lo-fi and he's got an album called um I, th- I think it's called I Jonathan yeah that is that was it in the, released in the early 90s he recorded it in his in his basement super lo-fi um and on it is this song um i was dancing at lesbian bar that is just a very it sums him up a very pure song about him being on a night out and accidentally ending up 
in um, a lesbian bar and having the best night of his life. Um, and it's 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 got a great little guitar if it's just him and his him and his guitar. I'm pretty sure even in the actual recording he plays a couple of wrong chords, and um, it really does just have like this like air of wonder about it. And but also it does make you want to dance. And there's a live performance you can watch him do on I don't know what it's on. It's it, he, he's around that age, uh, so it, it must be early '90s, and it must be American TV. And he's he's performing on like a chat show, just him and his guitar. And it is like the charisma that comes off him is insane. And he's he's a good guitarist, but he's 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 not he's not like a wizard and um he's he's a good singer but he's not a wizard but like you are watching a wizard because it's like you you feel like you're so with him and um it's so charming he's so funny um but at the core of it i think is like true honesty now he's got a lot of albums that you can't find on the streaming services but there are some that are and i just think and nothing, nothing puts me in a good mood like listening to a bit of Jonathan Richman um, and especially him singing about his night in a lesbian bar. Wonderful. Well, everyone else can experience that because that track is on the streaming services and um, yeah. we put together a, a Spotify playlist to accompany the podcast so people can oh, go okay. and listen to, to all your choices and some of the other songs that we've spoken about uh, on, on today's chat. Um, Edward, as, as 2022's, you know, picking up speed now and it's looking like a far more connected and positive place than maybe the, the previous two years have been looking, um, what's going to be happening uh, for you, Edward? What are you looking forward to this year? Um, I'm, I'm, I'm starting a job very soon. It's going to be filming in Nova Scotia, which is um, amazing. I've never been there. I think it's a part of the world that maybe um, I'm, I might not have got to go to had, had I not been an actor, which I always think is really nice to do a job that takes you to new places. Um, so I, that's something I'm really looking forward to is discovering a part of the world that I've never been to before. And um, it's going to be very cold and, um, and sort of getting to know uh, a, a whole new bunch of people. I think is always really nice about, about, um, ab- about like jobs as an actor. You're just thrown in with a whole new bunch of people. You never know who you're going to meet and, and, and things like that. And then after that, I'll be back here for the summer and I just I just have a good feeling about the summer. I feel like I feel like I feel like it's gonna be a hot one, which might be nice. And um yeah, I'm 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 excited also to just see how the world continues recovering from what's happened over the last couple of years and 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 sort of like how people reconnect and and the changes that happen as a result of it, hopefully for good. Wonderful. Edward, it's been an absolute pleasure talking records with you. Thanks yeah. so much, mate. Thank you so much. It was so much fun. Lovely. Thank you. There you go. I told you it was eclectic. Uh, I'm going to go and have a rummage through um, Edward's playlist now uh, online. Uh, go and check out uh, the playlist for this over on Spotify. If you just Google Off The Beaten Track uh, on, on Spotify, you can find that and so many of the other guest playlists and go and have a listen to all the songs um, that, that the artists choose. Um, other than that, have a lovely week. Support the podcast. Subscribe. Check out the Patreon if you can spare 79p a month. That'd be amazing. Um, it really does help, you know, keep this rolling. Uh, other than that, be nice to each other, and I'll see you next time. Bye-bye. It's Off The Beat and Track Podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network. With me, Stu Whipping. Hey,